As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Jason Lanier Unfiltered. This is episode 22, my journey to the end of the Alaskan frontier on the Dalton Highway. Yes, <laughs> I went to the end of the Dalton Highway to the edge of Alaska and I have come back and I'm here to share my epic adventure with all of you. So stay tuned, strap up, buckle up, whatever you got to do. It's going to be a very fun podcast full of a lot of adventure. Let's do this. Well, welcome, guys. Um, if this podcast sounds a little bit different, I'm in a hotel room in Alaska. I'm not in my studio, so if the mic sounds any different, I apologize, but I'm just doing the best that I can. I have so much that I want to get out related to what I've been doing. It's been crazy, so you're going to hear a lot of crazy stories. You're going to hear things about traveling as a photographer in this podcast. Um, you're going to hear a lot about gear that I'm using um, and just how to make it all come together. Uh, I travel as much as any photographer that I know. And a lot of these trips are really hands-on. They're, they're boots on the ground. They're different. They're Sometimes people think that it's just a glamorous, luxurious thing. And what most people don't understand is a lot of the times these trips that I take are really about just being smart, being creative, and doing whatever it takes to find what I'm trying to shoot. And a lot of the times, anybody who's ever traveled with me or, or worked with me or whatever it may be, they'd be the first to tell you that my trips are very spontaneous and change. So when I'm out doing this whole crazy thing that I call photography on these adventures that I go on, I really am, uh, I leave myself flexibility to change and adapt. So you're going to hear that in this podcast. So Thanks again for being here, guys. Um, there's, Like I said, there's so much to, to unpack, and it's going to hopefully not be too long of an episode, but I really, really do hope you enjoy it. Um, as we get going here, guys, um, just remember a couple things. Um, you can join me. People are asking me about workshops coming up. We're going to have workshops coming up in 2021. We really are. They're going to they're gonna be coming I'm just making sure that the COVID restrictions are not going to be put back on us because there's still places where they're going backwards in regards to COVID. So I, last thing I, the last thing I want to do is schedule a workshop and then have to postpone it. So that's why I'm holding off. But trust me, I'm getting daily emails from people asking for workshops, which is awesome. I really appreciate it. 
And so as soon as all this clears, we're going to be announcing workshops for this year, which would be fantastic. Some of which will be makeups for what we had to cancel in 2020 uh, because of COVID. Also, if you want to join me uh, on live, or excuse me, if you want to join me, um, yeah, live, but online for learning, you can go to my Patreon channel, patreon.com slash Photography, and we do editing on there. You guys can watch my screen. I do critiques of your images. We do vlogs and behind the scenes stuff. It's really cool stuff, all done on Zoom. It's really pretty amazing. And so if you really want to, um, you know, learn while we're still Waiting away this crazy pandemic, that's one way you can do it. So join me there, guys. Patreon.com slash Photography. So I'm here in, as we speak in, I am in Fairbanks, Alaska. Um, Alaska is crazy. Um, Alaska is, when they call it the last frontier, they, they couldn't describe it any better. This place is nuts. I think I've been here, I don't know, seven, eight times. Um, but there's not a place that I've ever been that's that's a mix of majestic, uh, eccentric, uh, beautiful, um, weird. <laughs> Just a bunch of different things really can describe Alaska. Uh, people running away from stuff. People wanting solitude. Hermits, recluses. I, uh, crazy people, uh, beautiful people. It's, it's just a mix of so many different things. And yes, you'll find all of those, a lot of those similar aspects in a lot of other places, but Alaska is kind of the extremes of all of that. And uh, you're going to hear about that in, uh, in the, the podcast today. So, um, I, if you haven't been to Alaska, um, one thing I'll say before I start this is you need to come. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. So what brought me on this uh, this adventure? I was originally going to go out to um, Anchorage. The really Anchorage and Fairbanks. The, the original thought process for this was uh, I was talking with my brother, and uh, my brother lives up here, and he's like, "Hey man, are you gonna are you gonna come up here before the Northern Lights are out?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm busy right now." And and but then I got talking to him, and I'm like, "You know what? I'm gonna do it." I'm going to do it. I haven't seen the Northern Lights since I saw them in Sweden and Norway uh, about a year and a half ago. And I'm like, I'd love to see them again. And really, you know, when the sky gets too bright, which, you know, the Northern Lights, that phenomenon is is always occurring. But when it's too bright uh, is when you can't see them any longer. And that's why typically Northern Lights, you have to see them during the wintertime, which is, which is tough because it's always so cold. Because the, the areas where you can see the northern lights are always very, you know, northerly. They're, <laughs> they're northern. And so you have to go north to be able to see them. And so typically you have to do that in the winter months when the, the sun is, you know, not out. Because the higher you go north, the sun can stay out sometimes. It never goes down during the summer months. And so that's why it's, it's, it's this mix between... A beautiful place to go see it, but it's also always cold when you see them, and so it's it's always it's always amazing to see them. But oh my gosh, it's it's sometimes miserable. I'm not going to lie; it's sometimes miserable to see these things because it's so cold when you're doing it. So I said, you know, I'm going to go do it. And one of the best places on earth known for northern lights is, you know, I've already like I said, I've already done Norway and Sweden, and that was an amazing experience. 
But over here in the United States, Fairbanks, Alaska is one of the best places on, you know, on earth to be able to see northern lights. And so the, the idea was for me to come into Anchorage um, and then go to Fairbanks from there. And for those who don't know, Fairbanks is about six hours drive from Anchorage. So I plan on staying a few days down in Anchorage and then driving up to Fairbanks. Um, and if you guys don't know, you can Google like Aurora Forecast uh, on you know uh, you know Google. You can search it, and it'll show you. And it actually has pretty damn accurate uh, forecasts for when the Northern Lights will be more active. And so I based my trip around that. So I based some days down in Anchorage to just do some you know gear related videos, and then I would go up to uh, Fairbanks and see the the Northern Lights from there. So that was the plan on the trip. I hopped on a plane. Flew up to Fairbanks, uh, got in, and when I landed in, or excuse me, I flew in, take that back, I flew into Anchorage, and uh, I got into Anchorage, and landing at the airport, you know, speaking of all this, speaking of all this COVID stuff, I got into uh, to Anchorage, and um, it's the first place I've seen that I've traveled to, and I've traveled a lot during COVID, first place I've seen that actually had screening um, and a line almost like you would see for customs. Like when you get in, when you fly into another country, you know, you land and you got to go through customs, you got to clear customs. Well, this was like a COVID customs, which I did not think they were doing. Um, but my brother even said, Hey, it's it, coast is clear. You can come up. So I get in and I'm standing in a line with all of the other, um, this is inside the terminal here at Anchorage. And, um, and there's, people screening and you have to scan their app and then after you scan the app and you put in all the information that would be contact tracing then you go and you have to see these people at these computers who log all that information so it's quite quite interesting and so as I'm standing there it's me and all the other passengers and I just said to the because there's people standing there just waiting uh, to 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 you know, usher you through this process. And I said to the, the person, I said, I noticed that they weren't like TSA or they weren't anything like a, it just seemed like more of a voluntary thing. So I said, Hey, do we have to do this? Is this mandatory? Well, technically not, but it's highly recommended. So this isn't mandatory. No. Oh, okay. Well then I'm not doing it. What? Oh, I'm not doing it. And then a per- the guy behind me is like, wait a minute, this isn't mandatory. And uh, the guy goes, well, technically not. And then another person behind them goes, wait a minute, it's not mandatory? <laughs> so I just said, well, thanks so much. I appreciate it. And I got out of line and then other people started leaving. And it was so interesting. And it's not that I'm trying to be a big rebel, but I'm like, I don't need, you know, I don't, I, I care about my privacy. I do. And, you know, it's funny that we've relinquished, I'm not going to get on a political thing here, but it's funny that we've relinquished so much of the laws related to HIPAA and, and so those things of that nature related to, you know, where we go and what we do and, and our health and, and all that. Um, and I understand and I think it's it's important for us to be responsible during a pandemic. But if it's not mandatory, I'm not going to do it. So I left the line and a few other folks left the line. So if you do find yourself in a scenario where if you are like me and you don't want to give over your information, um, you know, ask if it's mandatory. Find out if it's required by you know, wherever you're traveling to before you, you know, relinquish or, you know, give that information over. So anyway, I'm, I'm there in Anchorage. And I, first thing is when I was flying in, I looked down and, and every time I've, and I've been to Juneau and I've been to Anchorage a million times. I've been to the Kenai Peninsula, 
that I mean, I've been Katmai, I've been to a lot of places here in, in, in Alaska over the last decade. And um, first thing, but I've never been here. I've always come between June and September. So when I got when I was flying in, I looked down and I see the ocean is frozen. Now, mind you, this is early April, but I'm still like, wow. I mean, wow, that's pretty incredible to see mid-April or, or early April at that point to see the ocean frozen. That's that's a it's quite a sight. I'm telling you, if you haven't seen it, it's quite a sight. So I fly in. Uh, I land at the airport, go through that customs or COVID thing, and then I go down to get my rental car and and um, and I requested an SUV and I get there and they said, "Hey, we're, sorry, we're all out of SUVs." What? Yeah, we're all out of SUVs. Well, what do you have? I have a Chevy Malibu. <laughs> now, this this selection of car choice comes into play quite a bit. Uh, throughout this process so it's very important that we really understand that i got a chevy malibu to start a that's difficult for kind of the stuff that i do on a normal basis but what i ended up doing on this trip made that chevy malibu the most impractical and most hilarious choice for me to bring on this adventure but i got there she said sorry we're all sold out um i'm tired and i want to get on with my trip and there's no other cars available so i took that chevy malibu and went on my way so um I went up to Eagle River, which is about 25 miles north of Anchorage, and uh, went up there, and that's where I stayed for a couple nights, and I I recorded some videos, and if you guys haven't checked it out, I do have a video that I've already released from Alaska while I'm in Alaska called uh, Why Sensor Size Matters, and I compared a crop sensor to a full-frame sensor to a medium format sensor. And the medium format camera that I'm shooting is the Fuji GFX 50R. Um, And the good folks over at Fujifilm have sent me the camera and some lenses to play with. My buddy over at Matino over at AVC Photo Store in Miami has been instrumental in in helping me with some loaner gear as well. And so I have all my Sony gear. People keep thinking, anytime I shoot anything else, people are like, are you switching? No, guys, this isn't about switching. This is just about trying everything. So I have the Fuji GFX 50R, um, and I compare that to a crop sensor and then to a full frame. So I'm not going to belabor that video because if you want to know more about why sensor size matters for bokeh, for depth of field, for light collection, for everything else, check that video out. Check it out. It's quite eye-opening, and and what I do is try to explain it in a very easy-to-understand manner with examples. So you can just look at it clearly, clear as day, and say, Oh, I, I see why you would want a larger sensor, why a larger sensor really does change the look of an image. So again, go onto YouTube if you're curious about that. So Fuji, um, I, I came up with the, the GFX 50R, um, which is medium format, 50 megapixel camera. Um, and I came up with that with a 63 millimeter lens. And then Fuji sent two lenses to my hotel, the 250, 250mm and the, uh, what's the other one? A 23mm uh, lens. And they sent that up to my, my hotel in Eagle River, and I got that, which was awesome. So I had those lenses. I went out and did that um, and uh, really had some great time. So um, first thing I went and shot with it was I went out to, um, while in Eagle River, there's a nature center, and I went out and shot with my brother, my brother Kevin and I actually took a hike, and we went out and shot in the uh, in this nature center 
still frozen over, still snow everywhere. It's very, very cold. In fact, when I got to Alaska, it's it, even everyone was telling me it's 20 degrees cooler than it normally is at this time of year. So it's one of the coldest uh, springs that they've had in, in, I think somebody said to me, like a couple decades. So, you know, normally this time of year is supposed to be much warmer, but it's it was definitely much colder when I got here. Like, like it was three degrees. So three degrees Fahrenheit. So very, very cold. And so my brother and I went and took a hike, which was awesome. I played around with the drones. We saw some swans. You know what's the crazy thing, guys, is when you're sitting here in Alaska, you're watching all these animals in freezing water, freezing this, and they're just so calm and collected like it's nothing. Now, I get it. They're built for this nature. But you look at a swan or you look at whatever, and you're like, I can't believe you're just walking around in a frozen pond. It's ridiculous. But, you know, kudos to them. They got they got some mad mad adaptation skills to them so i i shot some with the the fuji gfx which was awesome shot some with both the 250 millimeters and then shot some of them at the 63 millimeters to give it or excuse me the 23 millimeters to give it a wide and a tight look and you guys will see some of that coming up in an upcoming video um and then i started playing around with my new best friend who is my new best best friend you may be asking it is the dji Mavic Mini 2. Oh my gosh, guys. I bought that Mavic Mini 2. Um, it's a drone, if you don't know. And I started playing with it, and I am hooked. I've flown drones before. I've had drones before. But I love this one because it's underneath the weight limit that requires an FAA license. And that comes into play later on in this adventure as well. So if you are very interested, and it shoots 4K, and it, it is crazy awesome i bought it at best buy through the fly more uh fly more combo or something and it comes with three batteries and a and a, uh, a three battery charger and oh my gosh the things i've done with that are ridiculous so check that out if you're looking for like the best drone that you could purchase price wise performance wise 4k video it shoots raw images guys and in fact the um image that you see for the cover photo for this podcast of myself was shot with that little freaking drone. It's pretty awesome stuff. So I started playing around the the, the Mavic Mini 2 and uh, at the Swans, and I was still trying to learn it. I, I think I lost it like five times. I had to learn what the return to home meant. Um, well, I, I take that back. I knew, I knew what it meant because I'd done it before on similar drones, but, but I... <laughs> Learning to not lose a drone is very important. So uh, that's something that I really had to take into account and really learn how to do that. And I've experiment, experimented with this drone. And one thing that I'll say that's very interesting is when you watch my drone footage, I think drone footage matches the personality of the person flying it. I'll also say that I think that uh, the great thing about a drone is a drone um, – is you know it kind of gives you validation of all those years that you spent with as your youth on video games because <laughs> you you really you're looking at it and you feel like you're playing a freaking video game like a flight simulator it's really really cool when you're doing that and so um just just oh my gosh the stuff I did with this thing are are just incredible so um we went up um when I say we it's always me let's just be real but 
I went and shot those swans, which is great. You guys will see some of the issues with that. There's some of the pictures with that. Then I went up to an area called Dalton. Um, and this is what I'll do a lot, guys. I went up to this area called Dalton. Or not Dalton, Palmer, my bad. I'm thinking of Dalton Highway. I went up to this area called Palmer, which is about uh, 60 miles maybe north of Anchorage, 60, 70. And um, I'll turn off on a road and I'll go get lost. I'll literally just go get lost. So when people are saying, how are you finding these crazy locations? That's what I do. I literally just take an exit off of a freeway and try to find something cool. And it always doesn't, it doesn't always pan out. Sometimes you go and drive around and sometimes it's driven people crazy that have been with me because they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, this is how I find crazy stuff. Oh my gosh. Can we just go back to the hotel or whatever it is? And I'm like, well, this is how I find the crazy stuff. So um, I'm sure I, I've driven a lot of people crazy doing that over the years. But that's what I do. And see, the thing is, I'll just sit there in my car for the most part and listen to podcasts or music. And I just drive around and get lost. And that's kind of my happy place. I love it. So I was driving around and I was in Palmer area. And I just drove around and around and around. And I found this crazy looking old shop yard or something like that it had a looked like it had a uh, i don't know like a hanger it had gas pumps but they were like from the 50s it was awesome and uh there's nothing there there's no gates there's nothing and it's right on the road so i just pulled over and i just did some pictures well there was this old truck uh covered in snow and i went to take pictures of this truck and then there's a guy that comes out of a trailer now, when I say trailer, I mean a lot of the places out there are like nice trailers. So I'm not trying to disparage anybody, but a lot of these homes are not they're, – they're like prefab homes or they're you know, stuff where people put like a trailer out somewhere. And so this guy comes out of a trailer and I, I love doing this. I love doing this. I love giving literal answers to dumb questions. He comes out of the house and he goes, are you lost? I look at him and I said – because I know what he means. And he goes, are you lost? I said, no. He goes, what are you doing? And I love, I love that question. I love when someone asks you what you're doing when it's painfully obvious what you're doing. So I said, well, I'm taking pictures. <laughs> Almost like, are you, are you for real right now? So since you're going to ask me such a silly question, I'm going to give you a really straight up answer. I'm taking pictures and no i am not lost and he goes quit being a smart ass and i said i'm not i'm just being i'm telling you ask me if i'm lost i'm not you ask me what i'm doing i'm taking pictures and he goes well can i help you with something i said no not really <laughs> oh my gosh he said you need to leave and i said okay is this your property he goes well it is private property i said is it your property well, it is private property. I said, well, then it's not yours. So if it's not yours, then I don't know why this is any of your business. And I said, and honestly, I, I'm taking a picture of a truck. Um, I'm not out here, you know, let's let's do a rave in free, freezing Alaska. I'm not a party promoter. I'm not a gangbanger. I'm not somebody, I'm not damaging. I'm not vandalizing. I'm standing on snow on not your property, on nobody's property, and I'm taking pictures. And he said, well, you need to leave now. And I'm just like, 
So I took one more picture and I'm like, you know what? I got what I needed. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to mess with this guy anymore anymore. So I, <laughs> I go back to my, 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 uh, very sexy little Chevy Malibu and, uh, I'm starting to put my gear away and, um, I have the trunk open and he then gets in his big ass truck. Everyone here has big trucks. Okay. And he gets in his big truck. <laughs> he drives over to me and he goes, what are you doing? I said, we've already had this conversation. He goes, but what are you doing now? <laughs> and you guys got to understand like silly, stupid questions. I, they make me laugh. Like so much stuff in life makes me laugh. And people are like, why can you laugh about this stuff? And I'm like, because it's ridiculous. Like, I can't believe people take people like this serious. So I said, I'm putting my gear away. And he said, well, you need to leave. And I said, yes, we've established that. Well, this is private property. And I said, you know what? You're pushing my patience, dude. I said, this isn't even your property. What is it your business? He goes, well, it's going to be my property someday. And I said... (laughs) I couldn't help but laugh. (laughs) He goes, what's so funny? And I said, so you're chasing me off of your future private property? What, are you going to buy this place? (laughs) It's just so ridiculous. And so he said, he says, well, no, it's my wife's family's property. So eventually it'll be mine. And I said, well, congratulations. (laughs) Anyway, I say... I say, you know what? And I did say this to him. I said, you know, dude, seriously, like there's people rioting. There's people shooting and killing each other. Um, We have a pandemic going on. Honestly, I couldn't be doing a more peaceful, socially distant, just one with nature thing than I'm doing right now. I couldn't be doing that. And I said, and this is the thing that you're going to harass somebody. And a fellow human being, this is what you're going to harass them about, is just taking a picture. I said, now, if you came out to me and said, Hey, you know, um, you know, you need to get permission to shoot here. I say, cool. Who do I get permission from? I don't have a problem getting permission, but I said, this is just a freaking random yard. There's nobody here. There's no gates up. There's nothing. And clearly you don't own the property and neither do people next door. Cause actually I had seen them the day prior and they said, yeah, we don't know. It's just whatever. It's just out here. So anyway, um, I said, you know what? I'm going to take one more picture of the gas pump because that picture of the gas pump is pretty sexy. (laughs) So he, (laughs) well, I'm just, I'm keeping it real with you guys. So he drove away and I, and I stood there and I'm like, you know what? Screw this guy, man. And so I took a picture of the gas pump and he comes roaring back with his truck, almost like he's going to hit me. And I, and I, I stand, I, 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 I was kneeling down to take a picture and then I stand up slow, kind of, <laughs> I can't help but laugh. These stories are so stupid and ridiculous. I can't, I'm just like so annoyed with this guy at this point. And I stand up kind of slow, Clint Eastwood style. <laughs> just, and I said, really? You're going to run me over? And he goes, well, and I said, you're going to run me over for taking a picture of a gas pump. You're ridiculous, dude. You're really ridiculous. And I said, you, you, you go ahead, call the cops. Go ahead. What? Yeah. Yeah. Be my guest. I have no problem. Go call the cops. I have no, I would love for the cops to come out here for this. Cause actually I'm going to tell him you tried to hit me. What? I, no, go, go ahead. Call the cops. I have no problem doing what I'm doing because I know that I'm good. 
So you want to you wanna call the cops and make an issue out of this? Go ahead. Well, well, we don't need to do that. I said, see, that's it's. I said, look, I've traveled so much during COVID, and I've seen so much between riots and the border crisis and everything else, and I've seen so much, and I realized that the vast majority of people haven't traveled during COVID like I have, but to see the world literally trying to kill itself, people trying to kill each other, people going nuts, and I'm like, dude. And I reiterated to him, I am literally being as peaceful and as respectful as, as a person could possibly be right now. And you're trying to run me over with your truck. I mean, really? Is that what you want to be known for? Anyway, so he he retreated back to his, his trailer or whatever, whatever it was in his big ass truck. And I laughed and I said, okay, I'm out of here. I don't need... <laughs> I don't need to I don't need to have him run me over in his Dodge Ram 450 or whatever the hell it is. So I left and that started my trip up north to this edge of Alaska. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, my friends. Um, so, uh, so, anyway... I drove from Palmer all the way up to Fairbanks. Now, that's about a five and a half, six hour drive. And it's a beautiful drive. If you haven't been up here, you're going past Denali National Park. You're going through some beautiful areas. But I, again, I'd never been up here when it's been this cold and there's snow everywhere. And the further north you go, the colder it gets and the icier the roads get. So one quick pit stop I made before reaching Fairbanks is I went into um, I went into Denali National Park and a lot of the roads are closing there now because it is so cold and freezing and blah 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 and snow but the main road just it's not too long of a stretch but the main road you get still access and I went in there and just saw some absolutely beautiful beautiful things I mean truly beautiful things it's a winter wonderland and to watch you know, when you're watching the snow drift over the road, 
like it just reminded me of that uh, March of the Penguins when the snow is just whipping across the ice and the, the, the snow drifts are going across other snow. It's it's really beautiful, really beautiful. And one of the things that I've taken away from doing this is um, just how incredible it is that when this entire landscape is covered the way that it is, the snow itself and um, the mountains in the snow, it, look, it looks like massive sand dunes. It's like snow sand dunes. It's really, really pretty. Really, it's just a beautiful thing to witness. So came out there, went to Denali, saw that. That was fantastic. And then um, found my way up to Fairbanks. I got into Fairbanks, I don't know, 9, 10 o'clock at night and uh, and started looking around. And man, this place, Fairbanks is crazy. I mean, I've been a lot of places, but Fairbanks, as far as a major city in, in Alaska, Fairbanks is one of the most beautifully weird places I've ever, ever been. So I get into Fairbanks and uh, get my hotel situated, get all my gear in, so on and so forth, freezing everywhere, all the roads are frozen over, wearing my snow boots, blah, blah, blah. Uh, my, I just covered head to toe and trying to stay warm. And, uh, it's it, at this point up here, it's, it's again in the, it's 10 degrees or lower. It's, it's really, really cold guys. And at least it is for me, for this California boy, 10 degrees or lower, mind you, it's, you know, that's, that's some 20 odd degrees below freezing. It's cold, like cold as in you walk or you try to shoot, a, you know, like a, a camera without gloves on and within 30 seconds your fingers the tips of your fingers like the blood's draining to go to your core now maybe a little bit facetious when i'm saying that but i'm telling you your the tips of your fingers immediately start hurting and so you know it's cold so anyway i get into fairbanks get my gear in i go out and get some food okay now i'm listening to <laughs> one of the songs that's been on my playlist i have no idea why okay but one of the songs usually my trips will 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 take on a song there's a song that means something but it, it's random it doesn't necessarily mean it has to mean anything but the freaking song alejandro <laughs> by lady gaga has been like this trip's theme song okay I can't explain why. I really can't. But it came on and I was listening to it. And then and then I'll just listen to it on a loop until it just gets boring to me. So I'm sitting <laughs> I'm sitting in my car. I went and got food. It's about 10 o'clock at night. I'm sitting in my car, 10, 11 o'clock, whatever it was at night. I'm in the parking lot. And where I'm at, there, there, there's, this, there's a place called the Bridgewater Hotel. Okay. The Marriott was sold out for the first couple nights, so I had to stay at this Bridgewater. So I'm at this Bridgewater Hotel, and there's quite a congregation of, you know, ne'er-do-wells out in front of the hotel. Now, there's not very many hotels in in, in Fairbanks, okay? Uh, in fact, lodging, as you will see, becomes quite an issue throughout the duration of this of this adventure. But I'm stand. I, 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 I there's a lot of folks standing on the front at the front of this hotel, and I go and park. <laughs> These stories are so ridiculous. I go and I park and I'm in the hotel parking lot where it's freaking freezing. There's all these dudes and chicks out there smoking. They look like they've been doing some drugs. I don't know. And 
I'm listening. <laughs> I'm listening to Alejandro. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. I'm listening to Alejandro <laughs> in my car. It sounds so ridiculous. Just as I as I think about it, and <laughs> and all of a sudden, four dudes come around my car, and I'm like. Are we for real? Like, are we really going to have like a showdown in Fairbanks? They come and then I'm sitting there listening to Alejandro. (laughs) It couldn't be any less masculine. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I feel my car move. Now, I felt my car move because he leaned against one of the guys on the back back uh, uh, passenger side of the car. He sat his butt against the back of the trunk. And I'm like, they're... (laughs) I, they're listen. They know. They know I'm in here. It's not like there's. I'm sitting in a car that doesn't have anybody in it, and they're just being, you know, inappropriate. I'm literally listening to Alejandro <laughs> in my car, and now they're sitting against it. And I'm so I roll down my back passenger, uh, the you know, the backseat passenger window, and I said, "Can I help you?" And he goes, "Hey, can I get a ride?" <laughs> I said, "What?" He said, yeah, can I get a ride? I said, I'm not an Uber. And he goes, yeah, but can I get a ride? And then his buddy comes up on – now, I've been carjacked before. So I am I was carjacked in Paris. That's I'm not, I'm not joking. I've had people break into my car while I'm sitting in it. That happened in Paris, France about, I don't know, eight, nine years ago. I've had other weird stuff happen. I've had people get into my cars before. One time I had a crazy fan get in my car in Toronto at – Profusion. That was nuts. I had a chick get in my car. She would not get out. True story. So I've had people get in my car before. So I'm a little, you know, uptight about, you know, why are you messing around with my car? Why are you around my car? Then his, then his, his, now my backpack with my camera bag, everything is sitting right on, which is normal for me. It's sitting on the passenger side uh, front seat because I'm by myself. And that's typically what I'll do. So I can just have it readily available to me. So take a picture if I see something. Anyway, so then his buddy comes up, and since I put the car in park, these new damn cars these days, when you park the car, it automatically unlocks the car. Well, I need to be even more paranoid because it, it did that. So then as I'm rocking out to Alejandro, <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous, but as I'm rocking out to Alejandro, this dude's sitting on the back of my car, the trunk. He's got two – there's two guys at the back of the car. Then there's one guy sitting against the side. Then this other guy comes up and he opens up the passenger door and he goes, hey, what's up? And I said – and I just looked at him. I said, yo, you need to close the door now. And he said, huh? (laughs) And I said, you need to close the door. He goes, can I get a ride? I said, no. Then he said, I'm sorry. I thought you were my friend. I said, you thought I was your friend, your friend sitting here in a Chevy Malibu, listening to Alejandro. That's who you thought was your friend. I don't think so. Then his buddy, his buddy is still trying to get into the backseat. And he goes, hey, I just need a ride. I said, get the hell out of this car. It's about to go down right now, guys. And he goes, well, I, I, I didn't mean to cause any problems. I said, what do you mean you didn't mean to cause any problems? You're getting into my car while I'm sitting here. <laughs> Now, mind you, I had turned the volume down, but if you can imagine, just for a moment, imagine how hilarious we're having this masculine-filled testosterone conversation, and in the background, with the music dimmed, 
is Lady Gaga singing Alejandro. <laughs> oh my goodness. It is the most ridiculous thing ever. So I said, yo, I'll just call the cops. And so then they're like, oh, okay, 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 okay. So then they left the car. And then I'm like, then I go into the hotel and I'm like, dude, you guys you need to clear out these people at the front of the hotel. Yeah, I know. They're always an issue. I said, but now they're getting into people's cars. I said, you're going to get sued by somebody like me because if you know about this problem and you're not taking reasonable care to make sure that your guests are safe in the parking lot and it's a, it's a problem that you're aware of, you're going to get sued. Just letting you know. I used to work in hotels. You're going to get sued. <clears throat> oh, okay, okay, okay. So anyway <laughs> – then I'm paranoid about my car, so I, I keep going out because I'm like, these dudes are going to break into the car. And for somebody like me, that would be devastating because in this kind of cold weather, even if they smash your window just to get something, that's going to wreck the entire trip. I can't travel with a car like that. So I kept going out and checking it from time to time. Nothing ended up happening, but that was just that's, – that's, that's Fairbanks, guys. That's Fairbanks. It's, Fairbanks is a crazy place. So um, I go through that. I, I went about scouting areas, doing a lot of really cool things, um, and I drove to Manly Hot Springs. Uh, oh, my God. God, there's so many crazy things, guys. Um, by the way, I'm still doing my steps, my, my physical fitness journey. So I'm doing this physical fitness journey, and me doing these steps everywhere that I go are really leading me to some very interesting scenarios. I was in Fairbanks, and... Uh, I I had to get steps in, and so instead of driving to CVS in the middle, you know, not the middle of the night, it was probably nine or ten o'clock at night. One of the other nights, I, I walked to CVS, and I walk in, and a guy goes, he just looks me up and down. He goes, uh, "You're not from here, are you?" No. What makes you say that? Oh well, you just don't look like you're from here, guys. I, if you haven't been to Fairbanks, I mean, there's lots of camouflage. <laughs> There's very, there's a lot of very interesting people. Um, people, I had a guy, I was in a drive-thru at Taco Bell, and this guy, he looked like the Unabomber, and he was staring me down through his side view mirror, checking me out very intently. He was very curious as to why I was in line behind him in my Chevy Malibu with my, with my fedora on. It is just an incredibly hilarious place okay i'll just say that so at any rate i went through uh, a number of different areas scouting drove out to a place called manly hot springs um which is just snow-covered mountains which which were really beautiful there was a truck stranded on the side of the road you'll see trucks everywhere you'll not just driving but they're just on the side of the road like people just leave their trucks and there's nobody in them and there's nobody anywhere near around which is crazy because I went out to this other place called the Cleary Summit looking and what I'm doing when I'm driving to some of these areas is I'm pre-scouting – well, not pre-scouting. I'm scouting locations ahead of Northern Lights because when you want to shoot the Northern Lights, you want to find a very open and clear space. You don't want to have things you know, in front of you. So you've got to find areas that are not wooded, which you know, you're in Alaska. There's lots of woods. So you've got to find some really clear spaces and so that's what I was going out and doing. Um, if you go and watch my why size, why sensor size matters video at the very end, I put a little outtake. I was driving at, uh, along this crazy highway and there's this car on the side of the road and 
it's just parked there and there's nothing. I mean, there's guys, there's nothing anywhere nearby. Like I'm talking 20 miles, nothing nearby. And in the middle of the road, there's, there's a big patch of snow, but then there's blood everywhere. Now this could be something like they made a kill, like they were hunting, which I assume, but then you see all this blood and first you think like an animal got hit. There's no body. There's nothing. Okay, that's weird. Second of all, there was second of all, there was so much blood. It's the first time I've actually experienced this. There was so much blood on the asphalt that it actually was very noxious to me. It it was very it was actually very hard for me to smell it. It was and I've never experienced that. And it's not like I really have an aversion to blood and I I don't get sick because of smelling blood or seeing blood, but smelling it, it was like, wow, that is pungent. It was crazy. So I go and I was trying to find out the source of this and people are like, you're crazy. You're going to go. I was trying to find like, like I'm, I'm putting my forensic files hat on. I'm like, where, where does this blood come from? Now I'm very curious. And I have, the <laughs> I have the guy from forensic files in my head and, oh, this is this and this is that. And so, you know, this is where the blood came from. And so did they, so little did they know and so on and so forth. So anyway, I, I'm looking for this blood. I can't find it. I, I tried to go into the snow. It looked like there may... There may have been something that led off into the snow, but then I put two two feet, uh, two steps into the snow, and I was sinking down to my waist. And I'm like, oh, "This isn't going to work. I'm not going to find anything. If anything, I'm going to find an animal that killed something or Dexter Morgan. I'm going to find a serial killer. So you know, or Bigfoot. That would be cool. But you know, whatever it is, <laughs> you know, it's just a matter of finding." The source of it, it's just that curiosity factor in me. So I didn't find anything that that's just an it's just an unsolved mystery. There we go. There's another there's another show from the the blast from the past. So anyway, I get up there. Um, I, I well, I don't get up there. So I'm here in Fairbanks, um, driving all over the place, and then as I'm coming back from this Manly Hot Springs, I see a sign for the Dalton Highway. I'm like, wait a minute. I know the Dalton Highway. This this thing's famous. This thing's really crazy famous. So I go home, home being the hotel, and I look up the Dalton Highway. And that is, that is, if you've ever watched the Discovery Show, that's where Ice Road Truckers comes from. And the Dalton Highway is known as the most dangerous highway in the world. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I have like four or five days in Fairbanks because I gave myself plenty of time up here to kill, so to speak, uh, so I could give myself a wide berth to be able to capture the northern lights if and when they came out. Well, sometimes those forecasts on that you know website will change. And so I looked at the forecast and I'm like, oh, there's no northern lights for the next three days. <clears throat> well, I have my trusty Chevy Malibu. Why not go on the most dangerous highway in the world? says me. I don't know how many people would say that, but you know, that's, that's me. So I said, let's do it. And so I look up, I go through and I look up all of the, you know, the route, the gas stations, lodging. It looks like there's lodging available. I find a blog. The blog says, yep, you can stay in lodging at these locations. There's five gas stations along the way. And if you're listening to this, if you're not used to traveling in Alaska, just let me tell you, Alaska is not like any place else I've ever been. Um, you know, even when I go like to Africa and other other you know other places, there's always there's more civilization. 
Uh, Alaska is really remote, guys, really the last frontier. And so it is important that you look up these gas stations. And so another thing that I did was, <clears throat> so I looked up the gas stations, looked up the lodging. It looked good to go. So I'd be, I'd be set. Perfect. Um, and so then the other thing that I did was I stay, I'm at this Bridgewater hotel. I check out, but then, um, the Wi-Fi service up here is so awful that you can't get service. Or if you do, it's very, very spotty. So I'm sitting there downloading a ton of podcasts onto my uh, phone. So I have something to listen to because you'll have no cell coverage. You know, it's just whatever's downloaded onto your phone. You're not going to get anything else. So, and you're, you're talking, driving by yourself. You know, you can talk to yourself if you'd like, which I, you know, I'm not opposed to necessarily doing. But, you know, you're going to drive and if you want something to do other than listening to the same old music again and pounding Alejandro, then you're, you're, you're going to have to download some stuff. I say all of that because I started downloading podcasts and I checked out on my room. I'm sitting in this um, – I'm sitting in the lobby of the Bridgewater Hotel, the only place I can find Wi-Fi. And I'm trying to download podcasts and even their Wi-Fi is going so slow. That it's very difficult for me to download these podcasts. Well, long story short, I know I have at least three hours of driving and probably eight to ten hours per day of driving ahead of me. And so I'm trying to, you know, navigate, you know, oh my gosh, I need like 30 hours of content. So I'm trying to download this stuff and it's taking forever. I mean forever. So I'm sitting in the lobby of this hotel, and this is the hotel where all these ne'er do wells are coming in and out of. And then this guy comes in. Now, this is hilarious, Kate. At least it is to me. I see, I find all this stuff funny. So I'm sitting there and I'm trying to download stuff. And whenever I would move my phone, the Wi-Fi signal would change. So I, I put my phone down on the little coffee table. And I'm like, I'm not moving my phone. I just want these to download as quick as they can so I can get the hell out of here because I have a lot of driving ahead of me. And there's this guy that comes in and he's, <laughs> he's wearing camouflage. And he has sunglasses on and he's wearing them inside. And... I think the reason this cracks me up is I think I'm as weird to them as they are to me. And so he comes in and he looks at me. It's the same reason why the guy at Taco Bell was giving me the dirty eye. Anyway, this guy comes in and he looks at me and he's like, what the hell is this guy with the fedora and the chain around his neck wearing black? What is he doing here? Is this guy a pimp? Is he a drug dealer? Who is this guy? And so he's like, he's kind of giving me stink eye and, and I'm looking back at him and I'm trying to smile because... I'm trying to smile and not laugh. I'm not giving people dirty looks. I'm laughing because I know this guy, what's probably going through his head. So I'm looking at this guy and then he goes to the front desk and I don't know why he's hanging out in the lobby. I'm just trying to download podcasts. He, he goes to the front desk and he, or, he, he you know gets some drink out of the refreshment stand there. But this guy, this grown-ass man, does not get a Coke. He doesn't get a Sprite. He doesn't get a bottled water. He, he buys Capri Suns. This is so funny to me. Then he takes the straws. He puts two. He gets two Capri Suns. He puts the straws in and he puts them against his lips and he double fists Capri Suns. And as he does so, he's licking the. <laughs> he's licking the straw, looking at me, and I'm thinking this guy's associating the 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 taste of tropical punch with my face. What is going on here? Now. <laughs> I'm convinced that this guy's probably Jeffrey Dahmer's cousin or something. And so I'm looking at him and thinking, well, I don't think he can kill me inside of a hotel lobby. So 
I left my phone there. Now, he's, he just keeps looking at me and eventually gets old. And you just start saying, you know, I don't care anymore. So he keeps looking at me. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm tired of sitting here and just waiting for these podcasts. I might as well do something useful. And I got to get my 10,000 steps a day in. So you guys got to understand how ridiculous this is. I'm doing laps in the hotel lobby, which is very small. So we're talking, I'm doing laps. And the hotel lobby is so small that my circular motion is causing me to get some motion sickness because <laughs> because I'm walking around and around and around. Then meanwhile, there's this guy with camouflage on, uh, sucking Capri Suns and looking at me through his sunglasses. This is Fairbanks. It's ridiculous. It's probably why I get a kick out of this place because this is Fairbanks. So I go out on to do my trek. I finally get my podcast downloaded. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm out of here. Okay. So I start driving. I leave Fairbanks around, I don't know, two or three o'clock in the afternoon. Start driving up. The first part of the drive, you're supposed to be able to go into a place called Yukon River, um, which is, you know, this whole drive from, so the, let me, let me put it this way, from Fairbanks to Dead Horse. Dead Horse is the end, the edge of the road. It is the end of the road for um, Alaska. It's literally the top of the state. It's Prudhoe Bay. It's the, the very, very northern part. You go past the Arctic Circle. It is it's crazy, guys. It's crazy going up there. So, um, and it's about 500 miles just from Anchorage, excuse me, just from Fairbanks all the way up to Dead Horse. So I leave at two o'clock in the afternoon and I'm planning to stay somewhere in between, hopefully. So I start driving up and I'm supposed to be able to get gas in a place. Now I filled up beforehand. If you're ever in Alaska, you always fill up. And, uh, then I, I leave Fairbanks and I'm driving up and you're supposed to be able to stop in a place called Yukon River. And I keep driving. There's no Yukon River. There's, there's, now I'm sure it's there somewhere, but it came and went with no fanfare. It just was gone. So I, I drive up, uh, and at, and at this point I have about, and you'll see all this in the video. I recorded a documentary of this entire excursion. It's insane. And I, I'm driving up, and I'm at about a quarter tank of gas, okay? Driving these crazy uh, gravel dirt roads. This, these are gravel dirt roads that are, being, that are monopolized by huge freaking semi-trucks. So I am a blip on the radar to these guys. And if you get in their way, they'll run your ass over, okay? This is their highway, and I'm just a little, a little fly buzzing around them. Okay, so I'm driving up and as I'm going, I'm not saying they're bad guys. I'm just saying this is their highway. And and the other thing is there's there's so many steep inclines and declines on this particular, you know, highway that um, I understand they're trucks. They want to keep going up. And the last thing they want is to have some stupid car stop them. So I'm always very mindful to pull over if I am doing a photo op. If I am taking pictures, I make sure to always stay out of their way because that's just the it's just the right thing to do. This is their livelihood, and I get that. Well, <clears throat> as I'm going up, I'm getting worried. I'm getting worried like, wow, I don't have any gas. I, I mean, uh, Yukon River was supposed to be a gas spot. No gas spot. And then the next spot is Coldfoot. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, good Lord, I hope Coldfoot has gas. So... 
it was this weird moment where I, I had a little bit more of a quarter tank of gas in my tank. And I know I don't have enough to make it back to Fairbanks. I just don't because it took me more than a half a tank to get out to where I was. So it was one of those weird moments where I know I'm traveling past the point of no return. But I'm traveling towards the only potential option to keep me going on my trip. I There's there's only, you know, I, I can't go any further. Um, I can't get back to Fairbanks to get gas. And if Colfa doesn't have gas, then I'm just going to be out there. And that's... That's the nature of things with me, guys. See, when people say, Jason, how do you find these places or how do you have these adventures? I'm not going to lie. I, I try to take as much precaution as I can to do research and stuff. But when you call a lot of these places, you guys got to understand some of these places that I go, there is no phone number or they don't answer the phone. Like I called tons of places in Dead Horse to try to book hotel reservations. They don't answer the phone out there. And so... When you get to some of these places, you understand why. There's nothing out there. So it's this weird feeling of knowing I'm going further away from where I know there, there's civilization and gas, which is Fairbanks. But I'm doing so because I know I can't reach Fairbanks. So the only option I have is to hope that Coldfoot has resources. So as I'm going up, I'm about... 40 miles from Coldfoot, and on the side of the road is a trucker. He's doing, he's fixing something on his truck. So I pull over, and really nice guy. And I pull over and I start talking to him. And I said, Dude, please tell me. Please tell me there's gas in Coldfoot. And he goes, He laughs and he goes, You drove this up here? And I said, Well, yeah. He goes, You drove this little four door, four door car up here. You understand where this is, right? And I said, yeah, yeah, I know, I get it. He goes, no, I don't think you do. You're about to go up the side of a mountain that is completely iced over. I mean, completely iced over. And he said, and if you get up this mountain, if you see a truck, stay away from it. Because if the truck goes sliding backwards, it's not stopping. It's going to go all the way back until it hits the side of the mountain or the guardrails or you. I'm like, oh my gosh, what the hell did I get myself into? So, but he, but he was a super nice guy. He let me record some of it. So you'll see that in the documentary as well. And so I said, oh my goodness, this is crazy. So I, uh, I said, but I can get, I can get, uh, um, I can get gas. And he goes, yeah. And I said, what about dead horse? Do they have hotels and stuff? He goes, yes, they have two gas stations and they have hotels. You'll be fine. You go out there, you'll be just fine. I'm like, okay, great. I feel a lot more comfortable, uh, you know, going. Now, I had no choice at this point. I had to proceed to Coldfoot no matter what. But now I felt I felt a little bit more at ease with the fact that there were places for me to get food and lodging. But, of course, him telling me that trucks were sliding backwards on this thing was whew, a little bit uh, disconcerting. Anyway, so I reached Coldfoot. It's, it's called Coldfoot Camp. It's in the middle of nowhere. And this is 240 miles from Dead Horse. So I reach Coldfoot Camp. They have one gas pump. Um, and then they have a place to get food inside, which was a godsend. I ate a, what did I eat? A French dip. I, I don't know if it was made out of caribou. I don't know if it was made out of muskrat. I don't know what it was made out of. But it was good because it was the only food available. I ate that, filled up gas. And then I asked those guys inside there as well. And I said, hey, you know, I'm going to go to Dead Horse. They said, oh, I forgot to tell you this. 
one of the things the trucker told me, he says, dude, once you get over the Attigan Pass, which is the icy path, which, pass, which is sketchy. It's sketchy. But so, so beautiful. It is the, it's the most dangerous drive I've ever done, which is, I mean, if people around the world call this the most dangerous highway in the world, that makes sense. But it's the most dangerous drive I've ever done, and that's saying a lot considering all the stuff I've done. But it's also the most beautiful drive I've ever made in my life. So I, he says, he says, hey, once you get past the Attigan Pass, there's wolves hunting caribou everywhere up there. I said, oh, my gosh. Are you serious? He said, yeah. I said, that's amazing. That's absolutely, absolutely amazing. And so when I got to Coldfoot and I st- started talking to them, they said, yeah, if you want to really catch the caribou and, the, and, and the, the wolves hunting the caribou, you have to be up there around dusk. Now, mind you, dusk in Alaska is at about 11 o'clock to midnight, okay? Because the further north you go at this point, see, Fairbanks is the darkest spot. The further north you go from Fairbanks, it's getting brighter and brighter. Um, And so as I keep going north, I'm giving myself more daylight. So I'm passing the Arctic Circle, which is insane. I can't believe I passed the Arctic Circle which during the wintertime gets to negative 80 degrees, okay? Now, at this point, as I'm traveling, also in Coldfoot, when I spoke to them in Coldfoot, they're like, yep, there's resources up in Dead Horse. So if you're going to go to Dead Horse, you got to, you know, you, and you want to see the caribou and the wolves, you got to go You got to go now. So I'm at Coldfoot at about 9 or 10 o'clock at night, and the Attigan Pass is about an hour from there. So I take off, and I'm like, I got to go see it. I got to go see these wolves. I got to go see this caribou. Well, I start driving up and it starts getting colder and colder and colder, darker and darker and darker, darker because of the clouds, brighter because, you know, it's, it's obviously getting darker because of the time of day, but, but brighter meaning like by the, like I said, and by the time you reach dead horse, it's, it never gets dark even at this time of year. So I'm driving up and it's this foreboding feeling and I got to be honest with you. Knowing me, I would have done it anyway, but nobody that that I saw, okay? Nobody does this drive at night. Now I'm sure some people do, but from when I was up there, nobody was doing this drive. There were no other trucks, there was no other and I never saw any other and I never ever saw any other passenger cars up there at all. So as I'm driving up, let me, let me finish that thought. I don't – I <laughs> the day after when I saw what I did during the night, I can't believe what I did. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's, it's scary. You're driving up the side of a mountain that's made – the road is made truly of ice. And when I say ice, I'm talking ice, ice. It's hard to comprehend if you haven't been on it. And I and my documentary is going to try to show you as, as – best as humanly possible as to what I did. So um, I'm, I'm going up this pass and it's starting to snow and I'm driving. And as I'm going through the pass, I'm trying not to slip. I don't have chains for my car. Um, and I just took it slow. This little California boy went up that pass 
And when I say like a champ, I'm not talking I was burning rubber. Slow and steady, slow and steady. And if there's one thing I learned over the, the course of my time driving on this earth as well as the last couple of weeks, dude, never hit the brakes hard. Never hit the brakes hard when you're on slippery surfaces. That's the worst thing to do. And the scariest part of the pass isn't even the climb. It's the decline. To me, that's what made me go, oh, my gosh, Jason, you're going to go down this. Because it's the thought of if your car loses traction, you're just going to do nothing but slide down. Now, I know it's scary to think about sliding backwards. That's terrifying as well. But slide down and there's nothing you can do about it. That's that's pretty terrifying. What they will do is they will put some gravel on these roads to try to give it traction. But the, the trucks wear this gravel out. And you'll see the gravel pounded into the ice from these huge trucks driving over this road. So by the grace of God, I get through this pass. And as I'm coming through the pass, I see in the way distance, it's the most beautiful valley nestled in between two ranges of mountains. And in the very distance, you see at 11, 15 at night, you still see the sun is out. And it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And I filmed all this, guys. And I cannot wait to share this with all of you. So I get down and I see this and I start to um, I start to drive down and I'm trying to document this. And I'm trying to figure out how I can even fly my drone at night. Again, I'm, I'm new to to really getting involved into the drone game. And I want to capture the beauty of this. And I, if I, if I didn't have a drone for this trip, I would cry because the drone has changed the look of this entire documentary that you're going to see. So I'm driving down and I stop on the side of the road and I, Figure out how to put the drone up. See, during the day when you put the drone down, it finds the GPS and then it just launches and it goes on its way. It's really easy. But at night when it can't see, um, you have to manually calibrate the drone. So directions are on the app how to do that. So I, I figured that out easy enough. You got to turn it horizontally, then turn it vertically. And then you set it off. Well, yes, the drone blinks in the middle of the night, but it's still very easy to lose. So you got to be careful, okay? So I put the drone up. I'm starting to film. And then I look down at my watch, and it's 1140-something at night. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. How many steps do I have for the day? Now, I know this may not sound like a big deal to you, but these steps, I've done 10,000 or more steps per day now for 125 days. That has kept me going like you can't believe. It's kept me staying the course with my fitness and my lifestyle changes. So for me, that's a very big deal to not miss it. And some people have said to me, ah, oh, it's not that big a deal because if you miss one day, because you know you're, you already know you're doing great. And I'm like, no, for me, that measuring stick is very important. Everybody has their thing. And for me, this is very important. So it's about 1140 at night and I have like 1500 steps or something crazy to do. I'm like, I have 20 minutes to do almost a mile. That's, that's a lot. I'm out here on the Dalton Highway. It's, it's, you see the sunset in the background, but it's dark. It's hard to describe it, but 
it's a dark it's it's a dark on the ground level but it's bright it's brighter in the sky alaska is so unique in that way so i put the drone up and and i just had the drone hovering so it could kind of film some of the stuff and i'm like you know what i'm gonna get some footage of me doing my steps and what was the most beautiful thing was to realize the payoff of having now done those steps for four months in a row, I'm at a very high altitude. And for the first time in my, with my new hip, because I had to get my steps in, I jogged. That was a big deal for me. And I jogged and I was able to keep jogging. And that was such a breakthrough for me. For somebody who hasn't been able to do that for so many years because of my physical disabilities. So... I jogged and I jogged and I jogged and I got my steps done at like 11.54 or something crazy p.m. Right before the cutoff because it cuts you off at midnight. That was big for me. You'll see that in the documentary. Well, now it's about midnight and I still have another two and a half, three hours of driving to go. And I'm driving and I'm driving and I'm driving. There's no cell coverage. There's nothing in this area. There's no cell coverage anywhere between uh, Coldfoot. You'll get a little patch around this place called Galbraith, but there's there's really no cell coverage at all between Coldfoot and Dead Horse. And uh, again, that's almost 300 miles. So I drive up, and as I'm driving, there's this... There's a couple things that are very unique. And like I said, Alaska really is very fascinating because as I'm driving, there's no precipitation. There's no, there's no rain. There's no snow at this point, but there's these little crystals in the sky. As you're driving, there's these little light crystals that are lighting up and they just keep falling everywhere right in front of your, right in front of your windshield. It's really fascinating. And then there was this wisp of a cloud that got locked around a crescent moon and it was just stunning, stunning to look at these things. So it's, it, it really felt, truly, in every sense of the word, it, tra- it felt like I was traveling in some sort of a different planet, like an alternate universe. It was really, really pretty crazy. So I'm watching it go from... 10 degrees to 5 degrees to 0 degrees as I go. As it gets darker and darker, later and later, I'm watching the degrees start to shut down or go down. The car's giving me ice warnings, so on and so forth. And there's many times over the course of driving from cold foot to dead horse as I'm trying to not be mesmerized by the beautiful snowy desert that I'm witnessing that is just remarkable. There's several times where I felt the car slip. And when you're driving in the middle of the night, what they have over here on this Dalton Highway is, like I said, it's, it's, it's a dirt road that is iced over. So it's, you're just literally driving on ice that they sometimes put gravel down on. That's all that this is. And then on either side of you, it's just endless amounts of snow. It, it looks like an, Antarctica. And so you're driving and driving and... As bad as I wanted to get to Dead Horse, I kept saying to myself, Jason, slow down. Slow down. Now, when I say slow down, I wasn't speeding. I was just like, like really slow down. All it takes is one slip and you're off this road, dude. Now it's 2 a.m. It's 2.30. 
And there's this point where I was about 30 miles from Dead Horse. And on the side of the road, in huge signage, they'll have the mile markers. Normally, mile markers, you know, they're, they're small little green things on the side of the road. These are big ones, so the trucks can see them. Um, they're like in red, orange, orangey red, big signs of the mile markers, so you know how close you're getting to Dead Horse. And then on the side of the road, so it's above the snow level, they have elevated reflectors so you can make sure you're staying in the in the road because there's no lights out there so for you to be able to see because once it gets you know 1 2 a.m it's it's pretty darn dark out there the sky still has some light in it but the road the only way you know where you're going is by those reflectors on either side so you're driving and driving and driving and um man there's so many times i felt that car give a little bit and i just i had to still my nerves. I had to just say, you can do this. Go slow. Stay your course. You can do this. Because at this point, you are so committed, Jason. You have nowhere to go except Dead Horse. About 10 miles before I get into Dead, dead Horse, um, there's this sign that says, caution, loose gravel. And um, and they, I don't know, if there, there was a stretch of the road that was just torn up, even worse than the others. And that was sketchy. I was driving and I felt the car go, and you just feel it give and your heart just stops for a second when you're doing, <laughs> when you're driving. But anyway, I, I, I'm driving. Um, I, I did get over that successfully. I'm getting to, I get down into dead horse and um, I start looking around and there's three hotels. I'm like, hallelujah. It's three in the morning. The, the thermostat in the car says it's negative five degrees. And so I go stop at one hotel. I walk in and they and I said, hey, um, I just need a room, if you could, please. And they said, sorry, we don't. Are you from here? I said, no. Well, what are you doing here? I'm, well, I'm a photographer. I'm here, out here doing a documentary. I said, I, buddy, I please, I just need a room. He says, nope. If you're not from around here, we can't we can't let you in. I said, what does that mean? He goes, nope, we can't let you in. Do you have a COVID card? What? No, I don't have a COVID card. Like a COVID passport? No, you have to have a a COVID card from one of our local uh, officials here. Now, when you get into Dead Horse, to kind of put this into context, when you get into Dead Horse, I came to find out, this place is, the only reason Dead Horse exists is for the oil industry. So when he says, are you from around here, what that really means is, do you work for the oil companies? Because if you don't, you can't stay in Dead Horse. And when you, at this point I have cell coverage because I'm in Dead Horse and I'm looking up hotels and I'm looking up the Prudhoe Bay Hotel and I'm thinking, okay, that's got to be a normal hotel. So I go over to the Prudhoe Bay Hotel and it says right on the door, unless you have this COVID card, do not even come in the front door. What? Okay. This is this is scary. It's 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 below zero outside and I can't find a room. So then I I called Prudhoe Bay actually answered their phone and they said, Nope, we won't we won't check you in unless you have this card. I said, Well how do I get the card? Well you gotta see I forget the name of the person. You gotta see this person and get a card. I said, Well I'm sure I can't get that at three AM, right? Nope. Okay, this this is really sketchy. So then I went to the last hotel, 
which is called uh, Arctic Oil Hotel, Arctic Oil Field Hotel or something like that. And I, this, I saw the number on the outside of the sign and I called it. And by the way, when you're these hotels, these are trailers, guys. These are all trailers. So I called the number on the hotel and I said, hey, I really need a hotel room. I said, can you please help me out? And she says, well, not unless you have that card. And I said, I said, it's freezing out here. It's literally below zero. I said, I just need a hotel room. She says, well, come inside. Let's see what we can do. I'm like, oh, awesome. Thank you so much. I go inside the hotel and then there's a guy standing there with her. And they said, where are you from? And I said, well, I'm from California. And they said, well, we can't check in. I said, I don't understand. Is this a law or something? No, it's just our policy. I said, well, it must be a policy for the whole area. Yeah, it is a policy for the whole area. Unless you have a COVID card, you cannot check in. I said, so you mean to tell me in the sake of human safety, you're going to turn away a human being from being able to sleep in the hotel room at three in the morning, guys. When it's below zero outside? Where's the humanity in that? Well, that's our policy. I said, but are you, are you listening to yourself? Would you turn away somebody that you knew or loved? Would you, would you do that? Well, that's our policy. I cannot tell you the, the feeling I felt at that moment of, I can't get a hotel room. Nobody will let me in. I'm not a leper. I don't have any crazy disease going on. And just the the whole and I said, you realize I'm standing closer to you now. So whatever worries you had about me infecting the population out here, whatever worries you had, I'm already standing within two feet of you. You're at the desk and I'm on the other side. You could have just checked me in and I'd be in a hotel room isolated by myself. But now you're going to turn me out to to the cold. Yep, there's nothing we can do. That was one of the um, craziest moments of my professional photography traveling career, truly. And uh, it was something that I will never forget that feeling of what now? What do I do now? I've certainly never been opposed to sleeping in my car. I've done it many times throughout the course of my career, but never when it's below zero, when that's actually potentially, you know, life-threatening. I mean, if the car shuts off, if you run out of gas, if whatever may happen, um, you could freeze to death. And that's something that I really had to think about. Um, I had no choice but to think about because I was sitting there, um, and um, at this point it's, now 4.30 in the morning because keep, I keep looking around for uh, hotels. And um, when you see the pictures of this place and you see the, the documentary, you'll understand I was truly standing in what we would all envision a movie of Antarctica to look like with some oil rigs there. It was absolutely freezing. It was dark. And I was in the middle of nowhere at the edge of the Alaskan frontier with no place to stay. So that's going to wrap up the podcast. This is episode 
22. And because of the length of this, I'm going to have to do part one and part two of the Alaskan frontier. So you will find out in the next episode what I did. And um, obviously I'm still here. So, you know, all's well that ends well. But you'll find out what I did and how uh, I've had to overcome a lot of things on this trip to bring these adventures to you and for me to be able to live these adventures, which honestly, I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. I'd still do it all over again. So thank you for listening, guys. Make sure to give me your feedback on jasonlinear.com slash podcast. I can't wait to bring you part two of this, but it's so much. I've already gone an hour into this now, and if I keep going, this will be a two or three hour podcast because I have so much to share from the journey back and what I've done, what I did out in Dead Horse, what I've done on the rest of this trip, and everything that has made this one of the most incredible experiences of my life. So make sure to leave me your feedback. Like I said, guys, if you want to join me on online to learn, go to Jason, go to patreon.com slash Jason photography. And thanks so much for listening. So until next time, keep shooting, never give up on your dreams. Find out that works for you. And remember, you only have one chance to get it right. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.